Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. How are you? Today is July 5th, uh, 2021. I'm so excited to talk to you. I hope you had a wonderful July 4th. Um, <clears throat> I just saw, last night I went down this huge Anthony Bourdain wormhole and you know, his, his death, his, his suicide is one of those things that's always uh, baffled me, fascinated me, a- as it has with many of us. And I saw that they are releasing a new documentary about his life called Roadrunner, uh, I think July 28th. And as I'm going down his wormhole, you know, one of the things that, because uh, I haven't seen a documentary yet, but I've, I've read reviews from people who have seen it. And one of the things that they point to is uh, how much his, the, the, the dissolution of his marriage contributed uh, to him ending his life. And I, I thought, like, how many people are ending their lives because of divorce, specifically men? And, and even though I'm talking more about specifically about men in divorce today, uh, these are things, these are concepts that can be applied to anyone because one of the things in the, in the research, uh, because, you know, your masculinity, feminine, it's everything so fluid now that it is gender fluidity and, uh, it comes more down to, uh, how you identify also as a part of it. And, uh, you know, especially in the LGBTQ community, it's about uh, you know masculine energy versus feminine energy. So wh- when I say uh, men, I don't want us just to think uh, in in the binary terms of uh, masculine and feminine, but it more in the fluid concept of it, and because th- that can switch from your energy can change from relationship to relationship or what you identify as, right? So as the research shows that men are eight times more likely to end their lives than women after a divorce. And, you know, it's because we typically have like this self-destructive reaction uh, to a divorce, especially children, finances, all those things are involved. And we are just, we're not likely to seek help. You know, we don't express our, emotional distress. So I'm going to go through, uh, I think I have about six reasons why men, I I just covered them generally, but I want to go into further detail about it. And this is uh, an article uh, in the American Journal of Men's Health called Why Men Might, Why Might Men Be More at Risk of Suicide After Relationship Breakdown? Sociological Insights. And, And this is by Jonathan Scorefield and Rhiannon Evans. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes in case you want to check it out or read it or uh, do a little further investigation uh, on your own. But uh, I don't know why I feel like I'm out of breath right now. (laughs) But I'm so glad you joined me. And and thank you for all the likes and the shares and the downloads and letting your friends know and the comments you leave in in iTunes. All that really helps. It, It really motivates me it motivates the team to keep going to provide content for you um and uh 
and it lets us know we're making an impact. I mean, that that's what we want. We want to know that we're making a difference in uh, someone's life out there. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to comment, leave notes, and uh, and share the episodes. All right. Um, okay. So the first thing is when we look at why men are more likely to end their lives after a divorce is, like I said before, we don't communicate distress. We're not, you know, for the, depending on the household you grew up in or the, or the school or the environment, like, you know, we kind of just like stuff it down, cope with it, get that stomach ache, get that chest pain, let that cancer grow inside of you. I remember I was nine and I had an ulcer like that. <laughs> I, I was taking uh, antacid tablets. I used to drink Pepto-Bismol like that. That's how much of my emotions I was stuffing down. That's how much distress I was just shoving uh, into my organs, into my cells, into my my bloodstream. And, uh, you know, at the end, especially in a divorce is like, we don't communicate that, that grief, that loss, the angers, the sadness, uh, because that's a signal of weakness, right? You know, when you're a kid and you scraped your knee, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. So, you know, it's like, who can I talk to about this? And, and it also seems like your other friends who've been through a divorce, other people you know who've been, like they seem to have gotten through it or they seem to have gotten over it with no problems. But we're so good at masking what's really going on beneath the surface, right? We're so good with the poker face, right? This is stoicism. I mean, oftentimes, you know, at work or in school, somebody says something to you and you just, you just stuff it down. Now, if you've been fortunate enough to grow up in a household where you speak your mind and, and say whatever's there, kudos shout out to you so i mean that's incredible um i don't know if that's uh par for the course though i think a lot of people are um uh, stuffing things down that that they're afraid to share those emotions that loss, that grief that pain that hurt like let that all out so What's beautiful is that the things that are on this list are things that we are in control of, right? So number one, communicating that distress. And, and whether it's to a therapist, whether it's going to a group, there are groups for uh, men who are um, divorced or, or widows or um, are separated. There are groups, there are online groups uh, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes our friends or our family aren't the best people to go to. We try, but maybe they are and we haven't given them a chance. Sometimes we have to allow ourselves to be pleasantly surprised. Right. Um, number two, number two reason why uh, we're more likely to end our lives uh, in divorce is uh, inflexible gender roles. Right. We all grew up with this idea of what a man is, uh, but specifically in in context uh, uh, of a, in a relationship like this is what I do as a man. And that's what you do as a woman. And this is how I am. And that's how you are. And anything outside of that uh, is 
is is a, is a problem, is an embarrassment, is a shame, and and it can destroy us if uh, we feel like we can't fit the roles that we feel like are expected of us, either through community or within the relationship. Sometimes you know you get into a relationship and your role might be different in this current relationship than it was in the last one. And so you start to adapt the new role and then that role's taken away from you. That job is taken away from you and it can be hard, right? Cause it's, it's like we talk about gender roles, but really like when you get that divorce, it's like you lost a job. You lost your role. Like you, you were, you were bill in accounting, right? You were, uh, uh, you were, you were Jeff, and human resources, and now that job is gone. And yeah, you can get another job, but in the interim, in the time, it hurts because you thought that this was going to be your job forever. You thought you were going to be with this company for a lifetime, and you know you had your little photos uh, on a wall, and you had your own locker, and you had a routine, um, and uh, you know a schedule, and, and rituals, and uh, there were people. Who are involved, you know, your co- your quote unquote coworkers or relationship friends? Because that's the thing, well, you know, when we talk about loss, it's like when you get a divorce, uh, not you know, you lose some of those friends. You know, you have your relationship friends, like the, like your only friends because they're a couple and you're a couple, and you're married and they're married. And now, if you're divorced, uh, people don't, you know, some people don't want to be around that. Or, or we might just feel like they don't want to be around us, so we stop reaching out, we stop being proactive, we stop engaging, you know, we withdraw and we isolate. So uh, inflexible gender roles, right? Um, and of course, our roles are fluid. You know, when you're working in a company, um, you know, you might start off in a mailroom, right? And then uh, you, you get... Uh, promoted up to uh, entry-level tech and then manager and then uh, general manager and then, you know, like, so your roles change. You might even start off at the janitor and then the mailroom, or you might start off as an intern, then the janitor, then, so like our roles change and sometimes you become the the general manager, but, you know, every now and again, you got to grab the old mop bucket and, and sweep up. Sometimes, uh, you know, the owner, I, I was at a, we were in a store the other day and because of like the quarantine and pandemic, they had to let go a lot of their, um, their employees. And so the owner was working the cashier, you know, she was folding the clothes. And, uh, so we have to be flexible with our gender roles and, and ask not what is my role as a man, but what does this situation need? What what does this what does this what does this particular moment call for from from us as a team, and and then how do we best serve the moment right, um, you know just like is are we baking a cake, or are we building a house, or are we having a child? Like our roles can change. Is someone sick, right? Is I mean there just there's so many things that can happen within a relationship that can affect our our roles. Uh, that we have to be flexible. It, it brings to mind that football player who was diagnosed with ALS. Now here he went from this 250 pound, 5% body fat, 
runs a, a 4-3 leader of a national football team to now not being able to brush his own teeth. And, you know, his wife has to take care of all of his, his needs, feed him, uh, you know, bathe him, you know, all, all the things. And uh, he, he's physically, he can only, his only, he only has use of, of being able to talk. Everything else, uh, you know, so the gender roles changed. He went from being the, the, the provider to now she's providing for him, right? And financially, because how we define things affects how we see things also. Because, you know, she, he, even though he's in bed and can't move, uh, is providing her with meaning, a purpose. Um, they have kids. So they're both providing each other with something, but we just have to reframe what support means, right? And what our roles mean. Uh, the third reason, uh, loss of honor leading to shame, right? So when we go through a divorce, just, there's a, uh, sometimes we experience a loss of honor because there's like a, a public validation that, some of us men need from other men not you know just that, that's why we love sports it's like all right my team won all right and then other men are like yeah and we high five and we chest bump or we click uh or clank bear glasses or if you're on the team you get this this public validation from other men and you get that you know and being married and being a husband and a father and a family man, like there, there's so many kudos for that. Um, so many public high fives from other men of like, oh, you know, you, you know, that's the, the holy trinity right there to, to be a partner provider, a family man, a father. It's like, oh, yeah, you're doing it. Like you're living a full life. And so um, there's that, 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 that shame that comes from a feeling of a loss of honor of like, wow, I, I like it. Like you, like we failed our duties. And, and the thing is there's so many ways that we can provide. There's so many ways that, um, that, uh, we can be a family man, a father. There's so many ways, you know, one of my friends, uh, her, her children have, uh, biological father same biological father but uh, uh but he was uh basically a sperm donor right and they still have a relationship with the sperm donor with the biological father and now you know he himself had his has his own family and his wife knows and all that stuff but um that they're recently making an effort to connect and uh and see each other and so in this world of in vitro fertilization and sperm donors and adopting and foster parents and big brothering, there's so many ways to be a father, to, to be, I have a mentee right now. There's so many ways to show up and there's so many ways to be a family man. Family uh, can be, you can be, a, it's a corporate family. There's a, at home, there's blood family. There, 
there's your football family. There's so many ways to be uh, a family man. So we have to be flexible in how we're defining that and, and recognize that we may have to redefine it. Just like how uh, you know schools redraw district lines for you know political reasons or uh, whatever. Like sometimes we have to redraw the lines just so that it benefits us mentally, so that we can continue to grow mentally. Right. The fourth uh, reason is marriage protects men. From our some of our abusive uh, habits, I know for me, you know, uh, big sugar and carb guy. I'm like I said, I'm in. I've mentioned this in previous episodes. I'm in sugar and carbs uh, addicts anonymous. And you know, Michelle is. You know, she's watched. She <laughs> she's the one who sent me the link and got me involved in sugar and carbs anonymous, which it's it's saving my life. I go to the meetings every day. And so for a lot of guys who uh, drink and, uh, you know, for us who abuse alcohol and drugs and have other abusive or self-sabotaging, you know, sometimes marriage can protect us from that. So then when we get divorced, all those habits start flooding. They start, they start, oh, they can't wait. They've been, they've been, they've been hanging out on the stoops forever, just waiting for, for, for things to to crumble, to, to fall to pieces for our relationships to be left in shambles so they could just make their way back in. And, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the, 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 the loss of identity and the shame, all that stuff starts to just blend in there. And then it, 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 it chips away at our, our purpose uh, for living. So we have to be diligent and, you know, and make sure that whatever changes we're making in the relationship is not for the other person. You know, I had to, to sit down with myself and say, what, these changes, these, uh, this direction that I'm going in is for me, for Leo Flowers. So that in the event that the relationship ends, heaven forbid, I continue down the path. I continue down this path of growth, of transformation, of, of, of clarity, of serenity, of tranquility, right? If we're doing something for other people, that's why, like, you see athletes gain 50 pounds after their athletic career is over because they were doing it for the sport. They, they were never in shape for themselves they were doing it just for the sport and and that's not a good enough reason to do anything you have to find deep down why you're doing it for yourself and the importance of that and owning it and taking responsibility for the decisions that we're making in our life right versus feeling like we're doing something because somebody else wants us to do it no if that's how you feel, then you have to dig for a deeper why, a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning. Uh, number five. Um, now, this is, this is interesting. 
a uh, fifth reason why men are eight times more likely to to uh, uh, end their lives after divorce because uh, we've been controlling in the relationship, controlling to the point of abuse. And so the, the suicide is a way of, of making a statement of getting revenge, right? Because uh, we can't stand to see her happy, to see her move on, to see her with someone else, to see her happy without me. How dare you? And so it's a, if we've been controlling in the relationship, then the suicide could be a way of uh, controlling posthuman, posthuman, I almost said post humorously, but that I don't think that's the word. <laughs> uh, after death, you you know what I'm saying. So you know we have to be able to let go, let go, and and accept uh, that it's the end. And and the sooner we can do that, then the sooner we can move on and grow, and plant new seeds and grow new roots and establish uh, uh, a new norm. Right. Um, and this is not easy. It could take weeks. It could take months. It could take years. But as long as we're moving in that direction. Right. So if we've been controlling in the relationship, you know, um, that that jealousy, that anger, uh, all that stuff can come back and and haunt us uh, in, in the end. Uh, the sixth thing is child care losing child care this is a big one this is a big one this is in terms of why men might end their lives in suicide might end their lives after divorce losing custody of their child or just being separated from their children you know maybe your partner decides to move to another state or the court decides you can't see them at all or just can't see them enough uh that yeah, because it comes with legal and financial stresses of, of figuring that out, and that's huge, you know, because that that goes against our identity as being a father, a family man, a provider. Like that, that right there chips away at all three, and and that's our for a lot of us that could be our anchor, our child, our children, uh, our sense of. Uh, of, of honor, right? And saying, okay, I, I screwed up with the, with the missus, but at least, uh, you know, I, I have a chance with the child. And uh, so to be separated or have a kid just taken away permanently, that, that hurts and it's so painful. It's so painful. Um, and, and so... We, we have to find, uh, you know, you could utilize a mediator, somebody who can step in, because a lot of times our emotions are, are too involved and then the other side shuts down. So to bring in somebody who can mediate on our behalf might be uh, most beneficial. Or to even have that kind of thing drawn up uh, before marriage. Like, hey, in the event of a divorce, have that paperwork drawn up then. How are we going to separate this? Um, but I know it's tough. And, and once again, it goes back to, and, and we'll, we'll discuss at the end, um, you know, uh, and some antidotes, right? 
Um, and then number seven and the last one is the, the last reason, number number seven of why men uh, are eight times more likely to end their lives uh, in, in, uh, after divorce. We, we, we have uh, shallow social networks. Now, we might have a lot of friends. We might have friends at work, friends at the bar, friends at the gym, uh, next door neighbor friends. We might have those friends. But uh, deep, meaningful friendships where I can say anything, share all of me, show 100%. Those are... Those are few and far in between. You'd be lucky to, to fill up, to count on both hands. And, and so what happens is in relationships, in marriage, we're so preoccupied with work, with status, with making money, that we've kind of let our relationships fall to the wayside. Neglected them let them atrophy so we know a lot of people but we don't have a lot of deep connections with them and so now when we're going through this divorce and we have to relocate and maybe find another job maybe losing custody of our child we don't know who we can talk to we don't know who we can trust with our emotions we don't know who we'd feel safe enough to expose our distress. To emote our vulnerabilities. We don't know. Because we've been out of practice. We've been go, 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 go. Work, 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 work. Hustle, hustle, grind, grind. And then when we do hang out with our buddies, you know, is Drinking, bar, sports, talking about cars, news. So now when we need to share the loneliness kicks in. I'm very fortunate, I feel, in that I have Three sisters that I can share with. I even have uh, a few male friends that I can share different parts of my emotions with, cobbled together. Meaning, like, I know I can be this amount of vulnerable with this friend, this amount of vulnerable with that friend, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I put those, all those shares together, it makes for one big share. I have a therapist that I feel safe enough to share everything. And I feel like I have shared everything. I have uh, my group, my sugar and carbs group. I have my journal. I have my journal. I have, I have books. I'm reading Anna Karenina right now. Uh, and I, I just feel connected 
And so I'm just digging these deep relationships. And I bring up Anna Karenina because it's like a thousand pages. So it's going to, we're going to spend, I'm spending a lot of time with these characters instead of reading like a, a thin book where uh, you're getting through it really quickly and, uh, and then you're just kind of wanting more. Like, so practicing having deep, meaningful friendships and deep, meaningful conversations versus waiting until everything hits the fan and then being like, hey, who can, anybody there? Anybody want to? So four takeaways from what you just heard is communicate your emotions. Communicate the grief. Communicate the, the loss. Communicate with anybody. You know, you have the 1-800-SUICIDE uh, or, or 1-800-273-TALK. Uh, a therapist. And even if it's just one session, I know money is tight in a divorce. Money's very tight. So even a lot of people do free consultations. You know, maybe even a life coach somewhere. Uh you know, you can get a free console. Go to thrivewithleo.com. Join a group, join an online group. I'd even say, take the chance. Take the chance, be adventurous, explore the depths of your friendships. This is an opportunity for you to see who can be there for you, who can hold a safe space for you in your time of need. Call everybody in your phone. Call all your friends. Call all your families and share with them. Families, with a plural? <laughs> Family. And share with them and see how each one responds. Just so that you know as you move forward who you can talk to in the future, who you can share with in the future, who can hold space for you in the future. Because right now, we don't know. We've let those relationships atrophy. We've had shallow conversations. So call everybody. Friends, families, acquaintances. Talk to your neighbor. Your neighbor might surprise you with the, with the insight and the empathy that they have. So communicate your distress. Two is, you know, reconsider gender roles and, and, and recognize that it's flexible. Who you are as a person is flexible. It's dynamic. It's contextual. You know, in some situations, you might feel like the leader of the tribe. In other situations, you might feel like a follower. In other ones, you might feel like you're in the middle. You might feel like you're a, a teacher here and a student there. You might feel more masculine here, more feminine there. Smarter here, dumber there. 
It's contextual. There are people who are brilliant with cars and they understand car mechanics and things like that, but they have an inability to empathize and feel emotions. So their social IQ is, is zero, but they understand cars. Or some people who can who are great with pets, but horrible with plants. So remember, who you are is fluid. Third takeaway is that shame, that guilt, that, that, that loss of honor that you feel, feel it. Feel it like, like feel where it shows up in your body. Where, where do you feel the shame? Is it in your chest, in your stomach? Is it in your feet, in your hands? Sit with it and, and see how it moves. See how, how, how large it is. Feel how large it is. How it radiates. The intensity. Give it a number. Right, are you feeling like a, a nine on a shame scale? Or a seven? What color is it? Let's move it around. And let's look at it. If it's a, if it's a ten... And it's orange and it's large. All right, let's put that on a shelf. And notice what makes it bigger or smaller. It's like a tumor, right? Tumors don't start off uh, massive. They start off like a little pea. Just a little, just a little speck. They, actually, they start off with uh, just a few cells. They're undetectable in the beginning. And then, left unchecked, unseen, unobserved, comes a massive malignant tumor. So observe it, look at it, notice it. And then, and, and then notice how you can define what being a father is, what being a family man is, and what being a partner is. And know that it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough, it's not gonna be easy. And, and maybe, you know, finding a job and putting a roof over your head, um, that, that might be more of a priority. But know that if you've been there, you can get back there. Then a the fourth takeaway is um, recognizing how marriage, being in a relationship, it can protect us from our self-sabotaging habits, from our abusive habits, right? And so... However, if we owned those changes, if we recognize how we made the decision to make those changes, we didn't do it for someone else, then we can sustain those changes. And then when we get into another relationship, another interpersonal relationship, because we're always in relationship with ourselves, now we have a stronger foundation of which we're building on. And versus starting from zero, starting over. I hope that this podcast has found you in great health, great spirits. I hope that you are sleeping well. Um, There's a few episodes before we talked about yoga nidra before bed and reading literature, not self-help 
not any business books, but reading literature or fun fiction before bed to sleep, because sleep is massive. What we eat is important to us managing our relationships, you know, sugar, sugars and carbs. We don't want to experience those mood swings that comes from the sugar and carb crashes. So make sure we're fueling ourselves in a, in a way that allows us to sustain focus and sustain clarity and to reduce inflammation so that we're not compounding whatever life is throwing at us. I just grilled a bunch of vegetables and fish uh, for the week. That's what I eat. I eat it like three, two or three times a day, fish and veggies. I love protein. I really thought I loved fruit, but the other day I binged on a bunch of blueberries and cherries and it just leaves me unsatisfied. I'm so... (laughs) It tastes so good and smells so great, but I'm ultimately left unsatisfied. The thought of it is pleasurable, but but when I eat high protein, high veggies, high fat, I feel satiated. Now, everyone is different. So just notice, do you feel satiated? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel grounded after what you're eating? All right. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.